Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello, and welcome to Decorating Pages. I am your host, Kim Monop, and I'm still off. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting away with something here. I feel like I'm, I won the lottery being off, but knowing I have a job, that's, it's different. It's not like I'm off and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know when I'm going to work next. That's a little scary. When you know you got a start date, the pressure is a little off and you feel a lot better about yourself because you know it eventually you're going to get a paycheck, hopefully. So yeah, so um, it's not like I'm sleeping in every day. I got the twins. I wake up by seven every day. But um, it is very refreshing to have time off. It makes you miss the pain kind of thing. <laughs> um, and now I'm at the point where, yeah, I miss it. And I'm super enthousi- enthusiastic about my new gig. And um, you sometimes, you know, you get a gig, you just start working. Your mind just starts working. You start looking and researching and doing everything and you're not on the clock and it's hard not to work when you're not working, when you have something you're going to work on. I don't know if that's in every position, but it's, I think it's certainly in the creatives. I think we definitely start to get back in that mode of constantly thinking about our jobs. So yeah, I was at Sony uh, last week which, um, the Sony lot, and I just wanted to, um, <laughs> uh, tell the story that I actually giggled to myself because I walked past the stage of Wheel of Fortune, which is, was one of my first jobs. And I do, I giggle to myself that I actually worked on Wheel of Fortune and I loved it. And, uh, that might be part of the retirement plan to <laughs> get back into that. Uh, cause it was a, great job just everybody's happy everybody's it's on autopilot in a good way and everybody's just so happy to be there all the contestants and the audience I just remember every the the feeling of everyone just being happy to be there I've been chasing it ever since (laughs) so yeah um I was uh I was like oh it's kind of like a homecoming because that's the first big lot that I worked on. So yeah, it was nice. Um, I wanted to continually thank everyone who has been reaching out to me, especially this, this week, a 
some students who are enjoying the podcast and um, helping them to decide what path to take, which is kind of the point here that I'm putting this information out for people who want to get into this business. So I am overjoyed that I'm helping, even if it's just one person, and that these interviews with these professionals in different departments are, you know, making someone help uh, make a decision. It's really great helping helping someone. So that's just amazing. So on that little social media reminder, sign up to the email list and get alerts for upcoming episodes on the Decorating Pages podcast website, decoratingpagespodcast.com. On Instagram, it's Decorating Pages. The Facebook page is Decorating Pages. You can email me any questions um, if you have anything you want to ask basically um or if you are a professional in this business and feel that you have a story that you want to share with people give it to me kim wanup at decoratingpagespodcast.com and i'm sure if you're listening you're already subscribed so thank you but if not subscribe on your podcast listening platform and most importantly rate and review gotta rate and review or we're not going to be friends that's all i can say um, this week, what Wanup is watching, I watched The Batman. Now, first of all, the production designer James Chinlud and set decorator Lee Sandalis. Gorgeous, gorgeously dark film that I'm sure a million details were missed out because of it being so dark. But I, um, I thought it was really beautiful and, and perfectly done for the storytelling um, I got my popcorn. I turned off the lights. I tried not to scroll through my Instagram and check my emails. And, you know, because when you're in a theater, you're respectful to people. You don't take out your phone. But when you're at home, you, these self-inflicted distractions that we have of the phone or folding laundry. And so I really tried to make an effort. I'm not doing it. I'm going to watch this movie, even though it's three hours long. I'm going to just focused and I, I I was really good in the beginning a little hard I did it so I would have to say you know I didn't I didn't look up who was in the cast like you know when it comes out and they announce who's in it so I had forgotten that Colin Farrell was in this film and I can't for the life of me I can't understand why people aren't talking more about Colin Farrell being in this movie he was fantastic and I didn't even know it was him. I had to look it up. I thought it was, the makeup was fantastic. I thought Robert Pattinson was good. He just seems like a kid, though. Like, I thought he was really good as, when he had the Batman on. But then when he was Bruce Wayne and, like, the hair is in his face and he's all emo. It's just distracting. It wasn't hot. And after, I mean, I'm accepting Christian Bale for so long now, it's really hard to give in to a new Batman. So, and he just looks so sad and not in a strong way either. It's like he's a, he's a depressed teen- teenager is all I see uh, him as Bruce Wayne. It wasn't, I don't know. I don't think he's the best Batman. I thought the film was really good. I thought it was a different take on, on the Batman. And um, I like that it didn't go back and do the same stories over and over that we've all seen 20 times. The look of the film is fantastic. There's architecture in almost every set, in every scene. 
very industrial. Um, I'm not giving anything away here that there is one set that's very reminiscent of John Doe's apartment in the movie Seven. I'm pretty sure there was a reference thrown out in the concept meeting that that's what it was supposed to look like. And it's fantastic. But as soon as I saw it, I was just like, oh, there's John Doe. That's Kevin Spacey's apartment. But it's great. It's really great. I did. I thought it was really good. I don't know. I didn't find it too dark either. I know there was a whole complaint that maybe it was too physically dark for people. But HBO might have lightened it for TV. I don't know. The costumes I thought were great. They were reimagined just enough to make them fresh, but iconic. Um, the, the, the ting of humor was missing in this version, but whatever. I liked it. Um, I would recommend it if you're checking it out. Um, it's three hours, maybe two sittings if you can, but I was super excited that the boys fell asleep early one night, and I was like, yee-haw. <laughs> Woohoo! Busting out Batman. Um, the other thing I started watching this week was called Under the Banner of Heaven. It's on Hulu, and um, this uh, the production designer Renee Reed, and then three set decorators: Amber Humphreys, Trevor Johnson, and Sarah Monteith, I believe. Um, it's odd to me that there was three decorators in this. I I'd love to hear that why, because I just think that's fascinating. I think there should be more decorators. There's like 20 art directors to every one decorator usually. So it would be nice to know why I like, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. This is a little, it's like a murder mystery. So I was in its period. I think it's late seventies, early eighties in, are they in Utah? No. Yes. I think they're in Utah. I think they're in Salt Lake maybe. Um, it's a lot of religious stuff all of a sudden, so I don't know if I'm going to keep with it. But I like the period aspect of it. The feel of it is really good. They really nailed um, a lot of the costumes and the color palette and everything. So, yeah, that's uh, besides all my other things I'm still finishing up. That's what I started this week. So, yeah. On, uh, on this episode, I speak with Director of Photography Simon Dennis. Simon has been working... The last five years non-stop in the Ryan Murphy world, and he makes it look stunning, I have to say, and I'm not biased at all. Uh, growing up outside of London, Simon was making films at a young age, like a lot of us, and he admits to even making his mom the gaffer. Starting out in shorts, and then videos, and then small films, and then he sprung into, like, Dr. Hugh. Dr. Hugh. Dr. Who. <laughs> Peaky Blinders, Black Sails, Pose, Politician, Hollywood, Versace, Ratched, and then I just worked with him for the year and a half-ish on American Crime Story Impeachment, and it was a delight. He is a very charming man. His new project is the limited series Candy, which will air May 9th on Hulu, so I hope you enjoy. design and and the podcast and everything and he I said oh I'm gonna I'm eventually I gotta get Simon and he goes you haven't heard his story 
I go, no, I haven't heard his story. And I go, but don't tell me a story because I don't want to, I want to act surprised when he does tell me a story. Does he mean how I got to America? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if, you, oh, if you're like Fievel, you shipped away on a, on a boat. I don't know, American tale. Yeah, I go here on a plane. Uh, well, yeah, it is a pretty bizarre story if he means what I think he means. Or how which... you got into all of this. Like how you got into being... Well, well, all right. So I can tell you this story, which I think is the story. Well, basically it's in two halves, right? There's right. how I got into the film industry per se in England. And then there was how I got so lucky and ended up like literally getting an offer of Ryan's show, Versace, out of the blue without no interview, nothing. Just So I'll tell you about that later. Okay. So Let's how I got in the industry. Okay, so this is like a six-year story. Okay. It's crazy and it's bit meandering so i try and be kind of precise because when i left film school basically i i was i love films i had no concept of how films were made uh and eventually i didn't even know what a cinematographer was and i didn't even know there was a cinematographer so i wanted to be the only thing i was good at was art right so i was like i'm i think the only thing i could probably earn money out of is being a graphic designer mm. which, which is sort of loosely connected to like advertising right uh, which is sort of loosely connected to filmmaking. So uh, I thought, well, that could be the cool thing. So I went to this space, I got into an art school and uh, was this, I was a kind of goth. <laughs> if you can picture <laughs> me with hair, right? I was a and complete cure, cure freak, right? With the eyeliner? Uh, I had the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Wow. The long black coats, everything. Yeah, I don't think I had eyeliner though, but I was obsessed with the cure. <laughs> anyway, the, what happened was I was sort of like digging it and I was like, I think I think I still want to be a thing, a graphic designer. But anyway, part of the course was weirdly to make this like 20 second abstract interpretational video based on a short passage in a book, which they pulled out for us. <clears throat> so it's it just it, all they all they wanted to be is literally 20 seconds. So they had like a camcorder, a couple of lights, a tiny little studio. And we all had our turn in making what we thought was our version of it. You know, one person had an, in fact, one guy had an American flag burning down oh. in Canada, which I thought was very risque. Oh. Um, anyway, so I, I kind of did this short film and I was kind of proud of it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I kind of, this whole camera and lights thing is kind of cool. But at that point, I, I all I wanted to be was a director. Mm. That's all anyone, anybody wants to be if they go to film school. So I was like, well, I think I should probably try and go to a film school. And the only one that was sort of I got into was more of an audio visual course, uh, which was in a place called Worthing, mm -hmm. which is not that far from where I my hometown. So yeah, when I left film school, oh, by the way, when I when I made this short film, Afterwards, I sort of tested myself and I made a short film with my brother in the lead. My mum, this is so funny, my mum was the gaffer. My mum was the gaffer. I didn't even know what gaffer was, but she put the lights up. But now you know. But now I know. Yeah, years later, it just made me chuckle. Like, oh my God, my mum was the gaffer. Like, Anyway, so I made that short film. It was like a ghost story. And I, I sort of was like, it was terrible, really. I mean, there's there no dialogue. It was my brother couldn't help him act. So I made that. So I got, I got into this video visual. I know it was. I, I, you know what? I'd love to try and find that in the attic one day. And just I, look. I just love that you're like he couldn't even act. I mean, it couldn't. 
I couldn't do anything yeah, with him. I was a director, and I couldn't I couldn't get anything thing. out of him. Well, here's the thing: that makes me a bad director. Right? Yeah. I couldn't get a performance out of my own brother. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so I kind of used this short film and I got into this film course, well, audio-visual course. It wasn't even a film course. And basically, it was like a camcorder generation filmmakers course. It was, there wasn't, there was hardly any, like, lectures. There was one film's tutor who was, like, this burnt-out, like, oh, I shouldn't say that, but he might be listening. No, he's, he was a lovely guy. But, like, basically, we were just, like, kids mus- mucking around with, like, well, camcorders. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. like we all do, which is I think is the best process in filmmaking. It's just like, I think who was it? I think um, Rodriguez said that everyone's got like at least twenty or thirty bad short films in them. You just got to make them. Yeah. And get you make all the mistakes, and make terrible things, and and learn from them. So I did did all that, and then I made a graduation film on film, which um, wow. I didn't shoot at that point. I was still directing. Well, once to be a director. But at that point, I watched this person that was called a cinematographer for work, and um, I still remember his name. He was called Marcus Waterloo. He was a lovely man. And um, he was kind of like, I'm sure he smoked weed or something. He was like, he's just like really out there. Like, and it probably helps. Anyway, so I'm, get, I'm, getting, I'm getting to the final thing here. No, so. no, this is what I want to hear. This is, this is, this is what anyway, people so want to hear. I, I, I went to this and then I went to a second film school, which is more an official film school in Scotland. So I got into that and basically it was, it was much more professional, but still hardly any lectures. And but it, it basically led us free to do what we wanted. And this mm. was a kind of film school. So we, I bought an old Ariflex camera with my student grant. And um, I then started to like, the one of the remits was to do, basically you had to kind of do a bit of everything. Thing, right mm-hmm. you have to be a sound recordist you have to be a screenwriter you have to be a director and one of them was being a cinematographer and i did that and i just instantly a light bulb in my head at literally like, yeah almost literally but yeah i was like geez this is amazing like this is so cool and i was too timid to be a director if honest i knew at that point so yeah so long story short i we graduated from film school we went to the park me and my kind of friends it was like six of us we got really drunk because at that point we were like, um, it kind of hit us like, where the hell? Are we well, where is the film industry? Where right, is it? Like, right. is it in a building somewhere? Right. Is it? <laughs> we didn't know. We we're like, I what? have no idea. So we got really, really drunk. And my friend Martin, who who is still a friend to this very day, he went to the corner store, uh, the liquor store, you guys, mm. and uh, he got some more drink and he mm. bumped into a friend that was like working at Virgin Records. So a Virgin, I guess you guys might have heard of it. Yeah, it was Richard yeah, yeah. Brian, right? And this guy's like, yeah, we've got to make a bunch of music videos really quick and we have nobody to do it. And he's just, he just lied. He was like, I can direct. <laughs> My friend Simon, he can DP. He's amazing. And his brother's an so actor. <laughs> His brother's an actor. He's won loads of awards, right? He's telling all this. Anyway, this guy was like, sure, just um, here's my number. So, like, contrary to, like, almost coming out of film school and, like, literally going into this void, which was, like, searching for work, I was shooting music videos, 35mm music videos, about two weeks after graduating. That's fantastic. It's right, and that was just that was that was just luck. If that hadn't happened, I think I'd just be drifting. You know, I'd probably change careers. But so, what happened was I then shot loads of music videos. This is a number of years ago, by the way. And then I kind of did my first feature film, which uh, was 
just again i was just i just lied my way into it i just said i could def i could definitely shoot drama i had no idea about dimensions drama. I had no, idea about... no this was a film called um last great wilderness which was directed actually by oh. david mckenzie who years later made a great film called hell or high water oh from Oh my god! I didn't I didn't scroll down enough and see. All, oh, keep uh, going! It goes on and on. <laughs> you have. It's like ten years. This is. I mean, I'm gonna. I don't want to show my age. This is like twenty years ago. Okay. Well, yeah, we were. I mean, I was working twenty years ago. We're, we're not. Yeah. That makes us better. So anyway, I just shot loads of. Um, I just basically slept on the lock couches. I made a lot of. Uh, I made no money, but I I just shot at like. Uh, probably about 10 really terrible movies like terrible like well yeah i had no I mean, idea i was just so saying many... yes to anything i could get my hands on you have and, so and... many shorts and and then director shorts. editor producer on your short and then cinematographer yeah short, I, short. Uh, so i directed a short editor. um when i was at this film school i told you about the official film school i i was like this was prior to me discovering cinematography and what it was right so I, I directed a short which won a load of awards actually and i wrote and it's a very simple little short called iota and i was very proud of it iota, yeah. but it's it sort of I, I tell you this it, it's kind of like once you learn i i think every dp basically should direct at least once even if they don't want to eventually be a director because i think it's really important to sit in those stand in those shoes you know and understand what it feels like to make the decisions of a director and yeah. their process and stuff and um, so, yeah, I did that. But eventually I wanted to be a DP and that's what I did. So I made loads and loads of lo really low budget. I shot loads of really bad feature films. Not bad, I shouldn't say that. I mean, they were just, um, they were, I was just learning. And I don't want any, any- But you're doing movie. like, I mean, look, this has 2007. You have like six films you did. <laughs> like Octane, Call Me, Harlem Foe, Dead Eyes, Underground, Messages, like- Yes, I kept like basically. I just kept working. I just went from couch to couch. I just like, you and know, you I, at one point I'm, <laughs> I remember sleeping in a, in somebody's garage. I'm not lying. But why I, weren't I, they paying you? I don't understand. How well, you... in England, it's a different process. Okay, first off, there's no union. There's no there's union, nobody, right? No union, so you can't really look up to some entity to kind of help you. Mm. There's there's nobody to guide you. So you basically just have to like. I mean, listen, I was probably earning $500 a week. Being and a I DP on a, a film? DP, right, on a, on a low-budget movie. I'm talking like a $1 million movie or half a million dollar movie. And these were movies that were shot out the back of a small box van, you know, with everything in there, like lights, cameras, everything. And, yeah, man, I just, I, I just kept shooting, and I thought at some point, things would break you know a break would come in the way of something that was recognizable yeah. and um i guess i guess if i'm jumping right ahead the big break was probably peaky blinders yeah and, and again that the story is so bizarre because i was like had no intention of shooting tv at all i wasn't even interested in tv i know this call this but wait you did doctor who before that so here's the thing so i did one hour of television right <laughs> one hour of television and that was doctor who and I, the only reason i did doctor who was i loved it as a kid and i wanted to go in the tardis that's well, all yeah. i wanted to do <laughs> all i wanted to do was i didn't even want to film in there i just wanted to go, just in, the wanted to go in there and press buttons and yeah. 
Um, so anyway, what happened was the director of that, Colin McCarthy, who's a great friend, and he, he's a very talented dude, and he was the one director on the planet in England that was then offered Peaky Blinders season two. Mm. And so season one of Peaky Blinders was out. It was it was like this, everyone was like, like, have you heard about this show? Have you heard about this show? It's very cool. It's like a Western, yeah. but it's like the Godfather and it's got amazing soundtracks with PJ Harvey and yeah. uh, Arctic Monkey and all that and uh, Nick, Nick Cage. Nick Cage? No, not the actor. Nick Cave, sorry. Nick Cave. Red Right Hand, the song. Anyway, long story. Basically, he got the job, and I was, I again, I don't think I was kind of, I'm maybe at this point, I'm not saying, I'm very humble, right? So I don't say I'm, I don't really think I was completely qualified, but. Well, I, well absolutely, you were. One hour of TV. Anyway, he got the job, and basically, he took a, he took a massive risk in himself. He just, he, he said, do you want to do this? And I was like, well, hell yeah. I mean, it's, and, and it's a bigger budget this time. And basically it's a bigger canvas. Yeah. And we get to like, go to the story goes down to London and that the, the, the kind of like the gangsters are kind of taking over more territories as in the gangsters, the lead principles, you know, all the, the, the amazing thing about Peaky Blinders is it's a story about all the underdogs and the bad people, you know, or, or what you'd consider like gangsters. So they're kind of misunderstood in the way that if you watch the Godfather, you're watching a lot of bad people do bad yeah. things, but actually they're not bad people. They're just trying to survive. Right. They're just trying, you know? So anyway, I did Biggie Blinders. And uh, and then I kind of was sort of going around in circles a little bit, even though I did Piggy Blinders. It, weirdly, it didn't explode for me in, in a major way. And this is the thing about England I'm not going to put down, but it was like I was kind of expecting the phone to ring a lot and nothing. And so, uh, long story I, short, I thought some... I thought that after Miami too. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get a raise. Yeah, I'm gonna get yeah, this. Yeah. This is. Phone I mean, something. Me. Phone right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What I did was I, I for some reason that there was a director called Scott Scott Spear, an American director that again I think sort of had seen my work through some channel or some social media, and I was in I was in America grading another project that i'd worked with colin on which was sort of a superman story called krypton which was shot in europe but it was like kind of warner brothers production i looked uh, at i hadn't seen that but i looked that up that looked amazing it was amazing though it I, 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 again it's a long long story because they ended up recasting one of the lead characters so they mm. reshot two-thirds of my episode Mm. but at least I got to walk away with like some good stuff. Anyway, Scott Spear got in touch because I was in LA and I met him at his house up in the Hollywood Hills. And this was like, so exciting. <laughs> My first time driving up the Hollywood Hills. I was like, I've made it. I'm driving <laughs> up the Hollywood hills. hills. And he had this amazing house with just the best view of mm. LA, right? And I'm sat there and he's showing me all this concept art. So long story short, he offers me this movie he's doing. It's a ghost story uh, they're shooting it in Winnipeg. And uh, so anyway, I go to Winnipeg. It's very, very cold. We shoot the movie. <laughs> we get it done. It was really tough. I mean, I think, like, it wasn't tough. It was just cold. And if you got... It bears you on you. Yeah, it gets to yeah. you. Yeah, it really gets to you. And you can't focus. And anyway, I did that movie. So Scott, I think, one of his buddies is, and this is the connection now, is Nelson Craig. 
Mm. And Nelson is started up as a very young up and coming cinematographer. Did Homeland, did a bunch of great stuff. I don't know. I'm picturing what happened was uh, Nelson looked me up on Facebook. So basically, in the in the interim of all this, I used Facebook, and I'm I'm punting Facebook right now for anyone who wants to try and kind of get anywhere. It's basically I just lied to a lot of people and asked to be their friends and basically focus pullers, DPPs, grips. Right. anybody anywhere well that's networking world. that's not and that's networking so yeah. i thought one day if i got a question about lenses i can just post it online and they can help me out and they yeah and they could be my friends you know yeah and one of the people i friended was was nelson craig and he must have seen some of the posts i was doing i was trying my best to do pr and this is maybe what jamie was talking about so <laughs> i'm i've just come back from winnipeg i'm i'm in a pub like thawing out literally like i'm putting my feet next to this fire right i'm having a cold pint and i'm reading the paper and i'm thinking okay well it was nice whilst it lasted you know this movie i went to la once you know <laughs> and then my i get a message on facebook and it's nelson and he just says uh, it's so short he just says um hey um do you fancy coming to america and shoot a crime a crime show about versace uh, with Ryan Murphy, like, <laughs> I first thing I said, I put my f foot right in my mouth. I just said, "Who's Ryan Murphy?" Murphy. <laughs> uh, well, you know, listen, culturally from me, no, I didn't know. No, but you um, know his work. I mean, you well, know. As soon as I googled, I was like, "Oh my god, how stupid!" Anyway, he says, "I'm gonna go and meet. Um, I'm gonna go and meet Ryan in about an hour. I'm gonna show him your reel." Do you, you know, you still interested? And I, at that point, I still thought it was a complete joke. I, I thought he was just winding me up because I was like, why are you asking me? You're a DP. Uh, he's basically going to shoot the first two episodes of this show, Versace, and then hand it over to anyone he can find. And so, um, so uh, yeah, he, he kind of came back to me and was like, yep, showing him my real, showing him Ryan your real. He loves it, um, wants to invite you over. Do you want to be, can you get over within three weeks? And we'll can sort, sort your visa out. But you had also done black sales, which is a huge, huge show. I did black sales, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you're showing that well, off well, too. That was, that's a lot. That of was, yeah, that was another big, that was, but the thing is that show was interesting because I wasn't even like interviewed. I, I remember actually interviewing for that project and never, not getting it. And like two years later, they were in trouble because they had so much material to cover they ended up needing to like have four rotating DPs. So they brought me in for like two months to help out. So yeah, I did that. That was very cool. It was kind of pirate show. Everyone loves pirates. Yeah, but it was very, Especially I mean, I've, I watched that. I mean, it's it's a hugely done show though. Like the 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 ships and the yeah. sails and the, effect, and the effects they have to do. And like the yeah. sets are amazing. Yeah, I think it was one of your questions you sent me was about that, right? It was mm -hmm. about how, we, how you do VFX. But anyway. So that's the story is like three weeks later, I was in Fox Studios and I jumped in a van and I was on Scouts and I was like, oh, <laughs> then this is this is actually happening. I thought they were going to literally make me get all the way there. Well, once you're in that Scout van, they got you. <laughs> I, had to check, I had to check it wasn't April Fool's, honestly. <laughs> I was like, because I'm so, I'm, I guess I'm so kind of like in my head kind of like, you know, I, I just expected it to go 
the other Different way. Different name. Uh, didn't, didn't, and I also expected to get fired every day because I it was such a, I mean, what, it was millions and millions of dollars that I've never seen. And then Ryan's shows, as you know, are gorgeous yeah. and giant. These sets are massive. Yeah. But the thing was, I mean, Nelson had basically pre-lit a lot of these sets. So I, it, a lot of stuff was like pretty much like walking in and just picking good angles, you know, and working with all the different directors. And well, so on, that's my story. On that's Ryan, story. on Ryan stuff. Is that what you mean? P picking good angles. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's, I, I appreciate a Ryan Murphy world because most of his shows keep it wide. And you yes. get to see everything, and yeah, and there's right. a lot of character. There's a lot of character in the sets that he's trying to convey in his storytelling, and I that's what appeals to me. the The craziness of how everything gets done on his productions is crazy, but I appreciate yeah. the the um, artistic of it all. I just love. I mean, I don't. I didn't like Ratchet, but it was beautiful. I didn't like, yeah. I mean, I, the politician I thought was okay, but it was gorgeous. Like it was like, yeah. I kept, I just kept wanting to watch it. And the same with Hollywood. I mean, there's just so many scenes that uh, you're telling the story with just that one shot that mm -hmm. wide and then coming into the characters. It's like, I just uh, appreciate that so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, whenever I, I've done podcasts before, and, and the thing that I keep saying about Ryan's work is because it is always extraordinarily beautiful. Yeah. And it's so meticulously processed creatively, you know? Yeah. It's like his world is all about architecture and fashion. Yeah. Obviously, really good scripts. So he's got a great writing team, he's got a great design team, he's got a vet. Lou, the costumes are like he's got basically got a massive following or people that follow him that he follows them you know he's very loyal yeah and I he think promotes he, a lot he promotes, he promotes from within a oh lot. my god the first time i was driving through la and i saw a billboard of a tv show i shot i honestly couldn't but i was like i'd stop i had to pull over i was like <laughs> it's actually happened yeah. actually actually you know what i remember being in new york and uh shooting pose I don't know if I told this story. No. So we're shooting at this diner and <laughs> this cab just pulls up into shot, right? And we're like, okay, cut, cut, you know, the cab's in shot. On the side of the cab, this is how advanced they were on the on the PR, was a pose, like teaser poster. Like, oh my on God. The, the, on the taxi that's in the shot of pose shooting oh you should have kept and, it in and, as an that, easter egg you should have they should have kept right? that but that, that's like that's what his i mean his 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 uh yeah his advertising and posters and everything gets everywhere. and their kind of campaigns are so beautiful as well yeah. they're so lovely the title sequences he does it's just it's just kind of like perfect filmmaking for tv really and it, it, like it you is. say like there's so much there's so much like three dimension in his world as well it's not like he just gives you a couple of walls it gives you th four walls, you know? Yeah. And, of course, Jamie, as you know, and you guys Jamie had to fill the complete content of those four walls all yeah. the time. And that, I know, was incredibly But that's fine. That's why, that's why I'm there. That's what I want to do. It's, right. It's the, oh, it shoots tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. that. It's That's the only oh, thing Ryan's that... Ryan wants to go blue, not green. You yeah, know, that's, yeah. You know, and, he, and the thing about Ryan is he's always right. <laughs> he's 
Well, yeah, no, you know when you when Jamie yeah. when Jamie brought me on, I I did Veep, so I could, I I studied the White House for like four years, and then I was like, oh, I got this. This is easy. And then it was like two weeks into prep before COVID, and she's like, so. I met with Ryan, and the color palette is oatmeal <laughs> and urine. <laughs> and I was like, "What do you mean? What do you mean? Like uh, red, white? We're we're in we're in we're in politics. You put urine red... into your oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's red, white, and blue, Jane. And she's yeah. like, "Yeah, no, no, it's no, gonna be completely no. mute. Everything has to be muted. Every so everything I thought I was gonna do." Mm-hmm for me turned and I'm sure for you like chasing a color palette on any of his shows is, is a challenge. Yeah. yeah but I, I mean, I love color theory, right? I think it's yeah. like two thirds of DPing, you know, lighting is, it's just a given with the job, but color is so amazing. And, and yeah, I mean, I just follow where he goes with it. I mean, I don't really, I mean, I can definitely have a view on things and I love color theory, you know, on ratchet. I remember like he used reds, and greens yeah and uh, when i was doing prep this is what so amazing. like i was like reading up on vertigo the hitchcock movie right so i just Vertigo's- watched vertigo last week oh my god so vertigo i don't know if you know this has got an amazing color theory that threads the whole story mm-hmm. so like red if there's ever red in a scene it's it's all about obsession and love oh. if there's ever green it's about it's it's either like a dream or a distorted reality. Well, what about the dining room scene? It's a green dining, isn't it? A red dining room, and she's in a green dress. It's both. That's right. And the thing is, the the colors swap. So he ends mm. up wearing red or something, or like plum. I can't. Remember. Oh, in the ending when he's trying to make her. So when he meets the second version of her, it goes into some. It almost goes through the mirror into another color theory thing. And then he had like a thing where if, if you ever saw blue or yellow, it meant you were in reality. Mm. So it, like, so when I, I remember reading about that and then what Ryan was applying to Ratchet, and I can't remember the life of me, all the color theory details, but I do remember like green was almost like envy, mm. you know, and you know, we tried to do those color shifts. You remember those on set where yeah, yeah. It sort of, all, which I, I felt it was very like Scorsese or I'm not what Ryan was referencing, but it, it, I mean, Vertigo as well is beautiful because there was that lovely scene where she sat in silhouette with the with the green neon light from the hotel yeah, outside. Yeah. It's so good. But yeah, his colors are just, it, it's not just thrown at the wall, you know? It's yeah. like whatever, he, what, if he says it's going to be oatmeal and urine, you better be sure Ryan's right. <laughs> well, and you know, you know, you know in the production, just go with it. well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not questioning it. I'm just sort of like, okay. The, I mean, there was the one meeting where you know he references the, he, especially with impeachment, he was referencing a lot of like all the King's Men and these '70s movies, and it was um, that Warren Beatty Western film, uh, Mrs. Uh, Maybe Mrs. Miller. Yes. So I like immediately that night was like watching that and I was like, I can't see anything. It's so dark. It's so, that movie's like done by like a candlelight or something. It's so dark. And I was like, and it's pink. The movie's basically all like flesh tone and pink. It's like, it goes into a whole winter theme. And then I'm like, what are we doing? I came to Jamie and I go, 
what? I know. I don't I, get it. What? What? What am I doing? <laughs> am I doing it right? Like, am I like? But I, I, th I think what might happen is that Ryan wears these shades, right? When he watches movies, and they're like oatmeal shades. Yeah, oatmeal <laughs> and shades. You watch and you go, I can't. I don't see it. But like, yeah, impeachment was. I mean, he was pretty direct. I mean, he said to me, um, like Parallax View and all the president's men, and all the president's men was probably the biggest one because. Ultimately, it, even in the color correction, it came out obviously oatmeal and everything, but it was very desaturated and yeah. it was almost like a silver, it, it wasn't yeah. monochromatic, but I remember like the final look that I was sort of a part of, but ultimately I was again, wanting Ryan and Alexis to guide their look that they all saw, but, Alexis uh, but, but Alexis loved this thing where I, one day I said to her, you know what, we can't do 10, because he, he says, I want a gloomy, gloomy. And I says, we can't really do 10 hours of gloom. Because like you're saying, like, I'm not, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, so I ended up coming up with this term called glam gloom. And I thought <laughs> that's the best way to keep everyone happy. Yeah. Ryan Raz glam and, yeah. and gloom. And so basically you make it a little bit like glossy and a little bit gloomy. And you get those two together and it kind of worked, it worked out really well. So they were happy. Yeah. I, I mean, there was a, there was a, quite a bit of like, it had just rained or it's raining on the window and a special effects yes. trying to get that done. And yes. and the cloudiness like, and like in Linda's house and like, Oh yeah. He wanted no sun. Yeah. No just, sun. No sun. In, in LA, you're going to shoot in LA, but I don't want any sun. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I can get a machine in every location, but yeah, I, I ended up using Northlight because I'm European, of course. So I, well, I'm so used to grey. Right, right. <laughs> so I was very comfortable. Like I, I was like, yeah, I can like this. I think you know, I, I can do the kind of grey gloom thing. But um, did you? Was there discussion of shooting White House versus uh, like the resi the residences like Monica's and Linda's differently? Well. I think there was three worlds. So was, there was the White House, there was the Pentagon, and then in between all of that was Linda's oh. and Monica's homes. Yeah. So Monica's home, Monica's home was, uh, it was just interesting because basically I had this beautiful vista, right, of the outside world. It was like a fishbowl. Yeah. Whereas Linda's place, because Linda's a little bit, you know, Linda Tripp, and it was more about uh sort of window treatment and everything's a little bit dark in there and a little bit scatty and not always that orderly and and because she is not an orderly person yeah you know, she's, she's mentally quite crazy but but i also i think completely misunderstood so yeah i think majority of that was like trying to make their two worlds polar opposites but they ultimately become kind of twisted friends you know and then yeah. the, the pentagon was basically just more like um i mean the script said it was like a fluorescent house so i was like i don't really want to go down this like very trendy kind of green fluorescent i think that would be a little bit uh weird especially skin tones yeah so I mean, we ended up kind of going almost like um like gray gray white fluorescent so and and jamie did an amazing job that made everything look almost like silver and tones of grays and blacks yeah i was worried about i think i mean it, and it was a discussion maybe like a week or so before we shot the pentagon was do you need more light in there oh. 
And then there was well, the like. It was well, a should... giant shoebox. Yeah, should but it was we? Very, I tell you, that was a very challenging space because it's it's um it's kind of shadowless. It's really hard actually doing fluorescent lighting DP wise. It's not like fluorescent lighting that people know like that one strip light that makes things look a little bit dark but contrasty. This was like. And it was so high. Like, it wasn't it was giving so you anything. High. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we had to end up. What we'd end up doing was me and Jeff. Gaffer would like basically we would kind of have um, different settings above, so everything kind of fall, fell away around the edges. So you had a little bit more contrast. Yeah. But yeah, I I I sort of I didn't. It, it was a it's a tricky one because I guess she was playing it more truthful. I guess on hindsight. Well, we, but then we added those played really low. Yeah. I, I I think ultimately if they made it like half the height. And and so you know, your head is only like three or four feet from the ceiling. You have these kind of amazing run of lights. But, but yeah, that it was a challenge. But I didn't mind it. After a while, I, I mean, the thing is, it's sort of a place where you don't know the. T it's like a casino. Like there's no there's no reference of light. There's no clocks. No. Well, then we know? added all of those those cubicle lights, yeah. which were great. Which that, I that was, helped the contrast. Yeah. I was scared of, in a sense of like it's going to look like a lamp store. Like I can't. Yeah. I don't. It didn't actually. But it didn't. Enough. It didn't. No. You know, it, like daily. Like in looking at it the way it was shot and put together it wasn't overwhelming when we had those yeah. them on or even in the shot so it worked out for me <laughs> it was all based on cubes right it's a cubic yeah. system so it's everybody's kind of like... issued the same thing that's kind of like you know right. government issue same yeah. inbox same this and yeah but yeah i think i think too having monica's cubicle closer to that one you know, glass office really helped too, because yeah. then you could shoot through that and get her, yeah, get, yeah. get some I lighting think that's, that way. Again, like these decisions, like you have to be careful about these decisions about where you put characters, because it's basically for the next 10 hours of yeah. your life. And at first and so they had them you... really close. First they had them closer. Like, well, how yeah. are they going to hear phone calls and everything? But it, it kind of worked them being just a tad more far apart that it was so weird that she was so obsessed with yeah. her. <laughs> Like whenever she poked her head over the yeah. top, it would be there, just there. Yeah. And I love the, um, do you guys have that, that there's a little uh, cartoon in, and it's a guy climbing over a wall and he just sees his eyes like this. Oh. <laughs> anyway, there's an amazing scene where like we just frames the partition and all yeah. we saw was Linda's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> just eyebrows. I just said so much for that scene. It was so funny. Because there was a like, there was and her and her, um, cubicle mate there was like yeah. i was like they're gonna make a sitcom out of this. well yeah the sarah burgess was like that's my next uh, i'm doing i'm doing yeah, I'm linda's cubicle yeah. stapling yeah and like and then you had like linda like twitching yeah and uh, eating her little you know uh, her kind of crisps in her bag and stuff how is your it was very funny. how is um you know I know I talk about all the time when when I work with a designer so many times you just develop this shorthand and mm -hmm. you just sort of go with it you talked a little bit about like the trust that Ryan Murphy has but when you're in there editing and it's you've done like four or how many episodes you've done with him is it just a shorthand now I mean you're coming up with glam gloom and like you're selling yeah. him on <laughs> is it Yeah is I it... mean it's it's definitely uh 
I would, I mean, if I'm speaking on behalf of Ryan, it's for, you know, because Ryan is a very private filmmaker. He, he's not, you know, he just basically is very honest with you. Like, that's yeah. what I love about him. Yeah. He, like, if he hates something, he'll tell you. Yeah, uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually <laughs> think that it's much better. I think it's a better, you know, not everyone on this planet can do that. You know, not everyone has the, the ability to shut something down for an hour to rewrite something. Yeah. Or two hours, three hours, or even just leave halfway through because it's not working for him. But like, he, it, I think the shorthand is that he, I kind of know the little things he likes and the camera movements he likes, and he likes a lot of punctuation with camera. He likes to punctuate things. And, and sometimes he'll just do one line of dialogue out of like three pages that right. has a camera move and he'll do it until he's happy. And he doesn't leave a set until he's happy. Yeah. So I think like all of these things together, I've just, I, I've just learned a lot from him because it's like, he, it's a different process than saying guest directors because guest director would literally be in the trenches with you. Ryan would want to be, you know, on the other side of the stage in a nice, comfortable environment where he can think yeah. properly. And he can, and, and so basically we would do a shot and then I would kind of run over, go into the room. Ryan would then describe the next shot and it's just one shot at a time. And I just like it. It's very simple. Yeah. And like, I'll show it. And what he does is I think the trust is now is like, he'll just say, show me. Show me something. Mm. Yeah. He tells you how he is interpreting this scene, uh, but also what he, what I'm not afraid of. Because the thing about Ryan is that he, is, there's, there's a sort of intimid intimidation factor, and a lot of people are intimidated because unless you can stand in front of him with an idea, because like he literally just runs on ideas. Like if you come up with an idea, he's totally happy to hear it. I mean, I remember blocking a scene, and when I was watching this scene. All I could think about was Science of the Lambs. So I was like on my phone, Googling in the corner of the room, and I pulled up this image. <clears throat> and um, I showed Ryan this image. And I, I kind of, and it, it, at this stage of our relationship, I kind of know that he will kind of either say, no, it's definitely not what I'm looking for, or, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. And what, and what he did was he just took my phone and he put it out. He just raised it up. He was like, everybody, this is the first shot. Yeah, and that's trust. That's yeah. trust. That's great. I mean, you have to come halfway with somebody. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just a robot doing shot to shot, you know? Well, yeah. And and, and you have to work fast. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, and I also don't, I don't, I think the trust that he starts to have in people gives the confidence to be able to give an, an example or give like, no, I'm confident in suggesting this for this shot. Like, I, I think that's, yeah. That's it too. And I do think that there is like a fear cloud around him, but I don't think it's him. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's this, it's... it's this, I don't know what it is. I'm talking about like on stage, like on, like in production. It's very weird to me. Well, it's to me, it's a little bit like this. It's like the Pope arriving. Okay. Yeah. It's oh, like... uh, no, it's it's Devil Wears Prada. She he's she walking. She's walking. Guard your lines. Guard your lines. He's yeah. Just got out of the. He's got yeah. out of the car. He's, yeah. he's coming into the front door. Yeah. And I'm going, guys. I hate. I don't get it. It's laughable. It. And I yeah, said, ads like they have this formula with Ryan and it. And it basically, I I get it because they kind of pad him. You know, they lead him through the set so he's not even like. Anyway, you know, there's basically the, the C's part, right? When Ryan comes on set, right, everyone right. shuts up, he yeah. walks through and either he's in a kind of like a mood where he's like, or he's in some kind of like, what are we shooting today? Which is, you know, again, yeah. so busy on all these shows. Yeah. But yeah. But the thing is, I kind of get, I'm like, guys, and I'm, I'm, cause I'm so like, but I'm it's, this kid 
it's I'm not... this kid from America, from England, <laughs> who is like, all I want to do is shoot cool stuff, shoot great stories. And, and as long as you've got ideas with Ryan, all you have to do is have an idea and he respects you. Yeah. And also, don't lie to him. Like, don't tell him it's going to take 20 minutes. Like, if you say it's going to, like, take 40 minutes, do it. Right. But don't lie to him. Or don't sort of say something and then do another thing. You know, he, yeah. he's like a hawk. He sees everything. Yeah. And, yeah, and he's you, just like... He's the directness a, is I, I greatly appreciated. And I think, I think that's one of the things that Jamie McCall really liked working with him. Like, I show him these mood boards, and he either likes it or he doesn't. And we all know... That's yeah. what we're doing. Like, that's no it. Well, the thing is, there's zero wastage with Ryan in yeah. time. This is why he can walk up on, he can walk and set. I mean, the camera could be rolling within 15 minutes. You know, it's that direct with him. But like, there, but there is, there is a thing like that, like there was a first production meeting and he's like, okay, so this shot is, walking walking hallway walking walking hallway 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 right. and i'm okay. like and i'm like looking at jamie on zoom like we don't we oh, don't have yeah, that many yeah. hallways <laughs> what, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. what are we what are we gonna do <laughs> three circles <laughs> what is a guy circles. changing out artwork as they pass oh, by yeah. like, well, remember jamie built that extra we built it set. yeah we built an extra hallway so he could do the the, the steady cam shot so and then he, and then in the moment he did this he took the left instead of a right with the steady cam and went back into the set yep so he didn't we didn't even use that never used the, it <laughs> yeah uh, the Xerox machine. Yeah. Oh my God. And, and that was the one where I don't know if you remember, but Ryan literally closed down. He was so unhappy with the state. You know, the, it was probably on the page actually that he didn't like. And it was two people talking at Xerox machine. And he was like, this is so dull. Yeah. Okay, we're not shooting this. We're going to shoot something else. And I'm like, Simon, stay outside the door. I'm, we're going to, I'm going to rewrite this. And he rewrote it and made it into an amazing, like, yeah, mysterious thriller esque. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it was a different, I mean, it was, and it was totally right, you know. Well, anyway, it's like he it, was, we, you know, we were down at the Biltmore and, and we dressed a hotel room and, oh, yeah, and then he was yeah. like, I don't, I'm, I'm been in a hotel room for two weeks. I'm not going up to that hotel <laughs> room. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> he says, this is how, what also what he's, he's so he's got a massive heart. He says to me, Simon, don't hate me, but I want to shoot in this ballroom in about 20 minutes. And we, he just literally walked into yeah. a random ballroom space. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, and I was like, okay, let's do yeah. it. Let's put a camera here and a camera there. Great. Okay, where can we get the crane? Let's get the crane. You know, and off we go. It's yeah. like, the thing is, if I was like... Jamie and I dressed that set in 10 minutes because my crew was gone. My crew had... like 50 yeah. chairs. Yeah. A little, I, yeah. A little uh, TED Talk thing. Yeah, the prop but, guys were helping us bring chairs in. Like, I was like, okay, well, the, I don't know. Is, do you think he'll like it? And she was like, he said whatever we can do would be great. And I'm like, yeah, but does this make sense? Like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, but it was a commitment. Uh, really right. As I said, such a charming guy, so talented, just a good soul there. And I'm not saying this because he made our sets look great. He really is super talented. If you look at Peaky Blinders and Black Sails, I mean, those are some beautiful, beautiful scenes. Um, choosing those interesting camera angles to tell stories, that is really a talent, and I am in all of it. I, uh, I did consider going into the camera department to be a DP at one time. It was a small, small time because um, I respect that position a lot. And um, 
I will be honest, the camera department is intimidating to me, even to like break into just talking to the camera people. Um, I've always felt that they're a really tight group and they've got their own language, which I mean, every department does really, but they are kind of a very tight group and I don't even think they talk to anybody else. I mean, maybe they talk to grips, I don't know, but, and I think that had an impact on me trying to take that path. Think, and it wasn't just one project that I felt that on. I still feel it. <laughs> so, yeah. And I mean, that's silly that that intimidated me not to take that path. Because look, I, I'm a talker. I'm talking to you. So, I don't know. Um, next week, in part two of my interview with Simon Dennis, we talk about Peaky Blinders, his DP inspirations, and we really dork out <laughs> on our love for 70s films. One film in particular, which... Mm-hmm good one um his badass dit village that he built with these giant screens it's something uh beautiful and i think it should be on every set because the big screens are just perfect for everyone to look at for last looks and uh, onto dresser it was really great so yeah um i also after that have set decorator william de blasio coming up in like two weeks and then after that, I have a whole episode just about inspiration, about what's inspiring and what inspires you. And so, yeah, it's going to be a good May. I hope you got an earful. I'm Kim Wano for Decorating Pages. With Memorial Day just around the corner, summer is about to kick off. And it's the perfect time for free shipping on your Stokie Floaty Luxury Pool Float. Available on Etsy. And use your promo code FLOATFREE on stogiefloaty.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.